Hello there. So happy to be with you. Happy Monday. Happy Masterful Living. Oh, so grateful to take this birth of love and gratitude together. So deeply grateful. Yes, we are making ourselves available for true insight, clarity, and wisdom. How wonderful. (laughs) Such a blessing we are to each other. I am so grateful, grateful, grateful. Yes, indeed. So let's take these breaths of love and gratitude and ride that energy of love and gratitude right into our connection here. So grateful to consciously partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self, remembering our true nature, our true identity. Is perfect love. We are the perfect givers and receivers of love. And right where we are, all of heaven is, and we are willing to connect with it. We're willing to recognize it. We're willing to consciously choose what we're going to put in our mind <laughs> and what we're going to carry in our hearts and shine our light into. So grateful. Grateful and thankful right now to honor ourselves and our path by joining together. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of remembering our true identity is perfect love, perfect wisdom, perfect clarity. We are grateful and thankful to recognize that we are consistently being held and loved and cherished by the infinite. We are grateful and thankful that there is consistent and constant, continuous support and inspiration healing, and divine grace flowing our way in every single moment. And we are opening ourselves more and more to the fullness of everything that's been offered to us and continues to be offered to us. In our hearts right here and right now, we're stepping out of time to join together for the holy purpose of remembering our own holiness. So we're willing to let go of the beliefs and the patterns that keep us feeling left out, wounded, damaged, hurt, in pain, in suffering. We are willing to open our minds to the infinite intelligence, the purification. So grateful and thankful that we are already pure. And what we store in our heart may not be congruent with our true nature, so we can give it away. We can let it go. And we're collectively joining together for this purpose. We call upon the ancestors. We call upon the company of heaven to support us in recognizing I am that I am. And I am one with the I am presence of every being 
one with all that there is, so grateful and so thankful to join together in this conscious recognition of love, seeing and hearing it in each other and knowing it for ourselves. Yes. There is nothing our holiness cannot accomplish. We are willing to place our attention, our energy, and our focus on that which is truly valuable. In grace and in gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. We let it be. We allow it to be. And we rest in it right now. Yes. So wonderful. One of the things that we're going to put a focus on here is we're moving into the last couple months of the year is some energy of what I call, let's get her done quoting Larry, the cable guy. And for those people who English is not their first language, that get her done is uh, kind of a southern expression, and it's about really saying, let's do this thing. Let's do this. We're doing it together. And so one of the things about Masterful Living that I really appreciate is that Anyone can be in this class and wherever you are in your practice, in your awareness, in your life, your age, your place in the world, your understanding of spirituality, all are welcome. And it really is a testimony that it makes a perfect community. For myself, I go back to the basics every day, every single day. And if anyone heard the class with Patricia Cotarobos today, she basically said the same thing. She just goes back to the basics every day. And that's what any spiritual student does. And that's what the masters do because the basics are the fundamentals of our loving heart and our willingness and the truth that sets us free. And the thing that I have borne witness to in my own life and in so many other people's lives is that momentum brings real value. And it's kind of like this, all right? Let's say you'd like to have a roaring fire. Maybe you'd like to have a roaring fire to create some heat, and generate some real heat, heat things up. Uh, And maybe you have a load of trash you want to burn. I'm not that I'm for burning trash at all, but let's just say. If you were, and I I like this because uh, the, the fire analogy really works well with the fire in our heart. We know what it feels like to feel like we're on fire and in a good way and not in a torturous way, and to feel like our life is on fire in in a good way, a really good way. And we know what it's like when it's not such a fun way. 
So that life on fire where we feel motivated and inspired, where our heart is fired up for love, for joy, for peace and passion, that's a wonderful state. And, and that's how I feel most of the time. And it's because I'm continuously feeding that fire. And so if you were going to build a really effective fire to generate some heat and you started, as a lot of fires do, you start with a little bit of um, some kindling and you spark and you get that going and you blow on it and you build a little flame and then you feed it some bigger and bigger things to get that fire really ignited and going. And so what happens if you don't consistently feed that fire? You'd like to have the consistent heat. You'd like to have that consistency so that your house doesn't get cold or the consistency to keep cooking cooking up something good, but you keep letting the fire dim. Now, the fire in our heart is never going to go out. It really is never going to go out. But just think about if you really would, like on a very practical level, like to have uh, a fire to heat your house and do things like that. But you keep letting it go out, and you keep letting it go out. So you start to build some momentum, and then you just let the fire go out. And then you have to get that fire built up again. It can feel discouraging. It's easy to become judgmental. And it's much easier to keep the fire going. Anyone who's ever lived in a home with a wood stove, and I've done that, you keep that fire going. You don't let it go out. Because you know how challenging it is in the middle of the winter to heat a house that the fire went out a couple of days ago and you just didn't feed that fire and now you've got to get that whole house warmed up again. It's a lot of effort. And it's it's not the smartest thing to do. You start to wear yourself down and you start to think, eh, this, this is not what I would like to do. It's really the same thing with our spiritual practice. So that's why we begin in the morning with some spiritual practice, fire ourselves up, and then we keep it going throughout the whole day. We're calling ourselves back to our loving heart, releasing the judgment, looking for how can I express kindness? How can I express patience? How can I express my willingness? It seems like somebody's been holding on to resentment and regret and thoughts of lack and attack. Well, we get in a room with them and we think, I'm not going to say anything. Let them say something. I didn't do anything wrong. They're the one that has to go first. Or we can say, I like to live in a peaceful environment. I like to live in an environment that's clear. I don't like to have vermin and pests and dirt and filth in my house. So I'm going to go first and let's get this mess cleaned up. 
let's see what we need to do. Let's get it going. Let's have some clarity here. I'll go first. But when we're identified with the ego, no, no, I don't want to go first. No, it's on them. They're the one that did something wrong and bad. They're the one. They're the one. And why I'm bringing this up is because the holidays are coming. And one of the most amazing and spectacular thing about the holidays is we have the opportunity to revisit old patterns and do something different. And every year, one of the things that is the joy of my work is once the holidays are over, and especially uh, right after Thanksgiving, because in December I usually talk to everyone in Masterful Living who's willing and would like to speak with me one-on-one, and uh, I see so many reports in the Facebook group and in the Finding Freedom group. Best Thanksgiving ever. Looking forward to Christmas. Miraculous healing in my family. Report after report after report. People notice, oh, my God, I didn't think I was really getting that much out of this class because I didn't put that much into it. But, wow, things have been really different this holiday season. It's amazing. Normally, I go to so many holiday parties and I overeat and overdrink and I've not been doing that. Amazing. So what I'm inviting you to do is to think about what would be your ideal of shifting. What would be the ideal scene, if you will? What would you like to experience in your holiday season? What are the things that have come up for you in the past, the hurts, the resentments, the regrets, the behaviors, the patterns, the addictive compulsive tendencies, what are they, and what would you like to do this year instead? Because it can be very easy when there's a lot going on and a lot of activities to go unconscious and to say, you know what, I'm basically just going to go unconscious till the end of the year, and then I'll pick this up again at the beginning of next year. And I'll start again, and I'll do better next year. But basically, the last couple of months of the year, I'm just going to try and get through it. Right? Haven't we all done that? We've all done that. And then we just focus on getting the things done that need to be done, or so we think. And the things that really bring the most benefit are not putting up the ornaments and getting the shopping done being a loving presence in your own heart and your own home and wherever you might be visiting. So let's set high intention, high aspiration to really move through the rest of this year in a much more expansive way. And let's bond together to bring this experience into all of our lives. So I'd love to see, just by a show of hands, those people who are listening on the line now, start to on your keyboard if you really feel like you'd like to be all into this and you're willing. 
Okay. Anybody else all in here? Star two? Yeah, it's okay if you're not all in. If you feel like, oh, I can't, I don't, I don't wish to make that commitment because I don't wish to break it. That's fine. I think that that's good wisdom too. And what I'm really asking for is the willingness to be all in. The willingness. And uh, if you listen to the class with Patricia today, I asked her. She she talked about having an epiphany, beautiful epiphany, about herself and the nature of the universe. And from when she said it, I could feel that some people were thinking like she had that epiphany, that incredible awareness, that uh, beautiful awareness, not incredible, beautiful, and that some people might think, oh, from then on in, it was easy for her or that she didn't have any more problems (laughs) to, to work through or the perception of a problem to work through. And so that's why I asked her. I said, does does stuff come up for you anymore? She's like, every day. Yes, having a human experience. So it's the willingness that truly makes our life miraculous. I, I know this to be true. So for those of you who don't feel willing right now, just know that can shift and change. Being willing to be willing. Willing to be willing. Hmm. All right, so uh, for, I'm going to lower everyone's hands here. And I'm uh, going to, I'm working with my phone, so uh, I kind of need both my hands. I'm not able to wear my headset. My internet is just wonkadoodles today. And so uh, I'm using my phone. And I would like to go back to earlier in the year when we were talking about trust and faith and development of trust, trust and faith. So I I know that I've invited everyone to read the development of trust section in A Course in Miracles probably 20 times this year. Uh, Has anybody... Whoever has read it, would you just also give me a, a star two if you've read it? Development of trust in the manual for teachers. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I am going to lower your hands again. So I'd like to review this from the point of view now, looking back over the year, and and making a comparison, in not in the sense of blame and shame, compare and de- despair kind of comparison, but to be able to see the difference that we're making in our lives or not making in our lives according to our willingness. So in the development of trust section, it says, and this is directed towards 
the teachers of God. And the teachers of God are anyone that's ever had even a momentary understanding of the unity of all life. Anyone that's had a momentary understanding of the unity of all life. Really, it's it's where you had a moment where you didn't see someone else's well-being as separate from yours. Even one flash of a moment. That's it. Then you're you're in that category of a teacher of God. So we're all teachers of God. And it says here that we're going to go through these periods. And the first one we're going to go through is called a period of undoing. And it says here, this need not be painful, but it usually is experienced as painful. It seems as if things are being taken away, and it's really understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he can see things in a different light? So let's say that you have made your dog a false idol. Let's say that you've made your job a false idol. Let's say that you have um, become so attached to someone or something in your life that it's a false idol. And you think that your happiness depends upon it. And then, and, and of course, your happiness is not dependent upon anything in this world. It's really not. But if you think it is, then your happiness can come and go. Your happiness is always going to be temporary. And you're going to be on a whirlwind of an emotional roller coaster. And your whole life will be like that. And nothing, it will never go away unless you do something differently. You have to change your mind about it. So what happens when people are living that attachment, it's like Buddha said, all attachment causes suffering. The very best thing for us is to be able to have the attachment interrupted by having things taken away. And I have experienced this, as we all have, on so many levels. Just in the last couple of days, people who are close to me lost loved ones, suddenly lost them. <clears throat> they died unexpectedly. <clears throat> and it's a shock to the system. When there's that sudden loss, it gives us the, and it doesn't matter whether it is, could be our health, could be our wealth, could be a relationship. It gives us the opportunity to see how have we been holding that thing? Has it been as an attachment? Has it been as an idol? Now that we don't no longer have that in our life, we can look at it in a different light. This is what it's saying to us. And so it says, so the plan will sometimes call for changes 
in what seem to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. They're always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, they go on to the next stage. And the next stage is called a period of sorting out. And it says this period is always somewhat difficult because once we learn that the changes in our life are always helpful, now we begin to decide things on a basis of whether or not they're helpful. So is changing my diet going to be helpful? Is taking that vacation going to be helpful? Is attending that conference going to be helpful? Helpful in a truly helpful way. Helpful in terms of my well-being, in terms of my waking up. Or am I just creating another attachment? (coughs) So we start to look at everything as if, is it helpful or not? And I remember when I first started to do this, because I used to go to hear every spiritual teacher and go to all kinds of workshops and things like that. And then I realized, you know what, I don't need to go to all these things anymore. It's much more valuable to me for me to not go anywhere and to stay home and have the time to be in contemplation and connect with my higher self. That's valuable. Going to a $10,000 seminar with the hottest, juiciest speaker in town that everybody's die to see, even if it's free for me, is not the best use of my time and energy. What's helpful to me is whatever the tools are that will get me into that place of honoring and respecting my higher self, listening to the higher self, no longer listening to the ego, no longer cultivating the habits of being upset, lack, attack, and limitation. So this is what our whole Masterful Living Year is about. So that period of sorting out, we are beginning to look at everything. Is this helpful to me or is it a distraction to me? Is it valuable or is it a hindrance? We start to look at everything different. And as it says in the Development of Trust section, It takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. Everything. All, every part of life is helpful to us. Let's not discount anything. And if something seems confusing to us or upsetting to us, let's do our spiritual practice. I'm never upset for the reason I think. Okay, I must be in judgment because otherwise I wouldn't be upset. I must be thinking thoughts that aren't true, because otherwise I couldn't be upset. It's not even possible. I don't know what things are really for. I'm not able to see through all directions of time and space all the time, so I'm not really 100% sure what everything is for, except it's helpful. This much I know. It is helpful. So since this event, that is disturbing me, is helpful to me, let me see how could it be helpful to me so I won't feel disturbed anymore. I'll feel grateful. I'll feel truly grateful and aligned in my heart with love. And then the next stage is called a period of relinquishment. 
And it says here, if this is interpreted as giving up what's desirable, then there'll be tremendous conflict, tremendous conflict. And I've experienced that because there were times in my life when I had absolute attachment to a particular relationship or to a particular point of view or to a particular position in uh, an organization or even in my family and things like that. And life was pushing me and pushing me, let go, relinquish, relinquish, do not grasp and hold on to it. Imagine if, well, (laughs) this is what came to me. Maybe not everyone should imagine this, but let's not imagine it. Okay, forget it. Let's not imagine it. But let's just be glad that babies don't try to grab a hold on the inside and not come out, right, when it's time to be born, that they don't have that that ability. But that's how we're like, we, we operate sometimes. We just don't want to be born into our new life. We do not wish to be born into our loving heart. We do not wish to be born into our greatness. We do not wish to be born into recognizing I am responsible for all that I see and everything is just as I wish it to be. Do not wish that. So the period of relinquishment, if we think it means giving up something desirable, there have been times when it was really challenging for me to give up an opinion or a judgment. Really, really challenging. I desired to keep it. And so the fact that it was so challenging created enormous conflict in my mind, which translated to emotional upset, which translated to physical disturbance and financial disturbance. And it says here there's no point in sorting out the valuable from the valueless unless the next obvious step is taken. Therefore, the period of overlap is apt to be one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice what he perceives or she perceives are their own best interests on behalf of truth. And so there have been many times when in my life, it seemed like my best interest was to take a particular job or to do a particular thing, that that would somehow enhance my life. But my intuition said, no, don't go that way. But when when I did, if I did something like a um, pros and cons, the ego doing the pros and cons, trying to figure it out, trying to understand it and analyze it, would come up with a totally different thing than my intuition. And it would be a conflict. And it would seem on the surface the conflict is not good. But the conflict was bringing to light my own inner conflict. I felt conflicted because I was still attached to the ego's opinions and I was 
interested in listening to my intuition, and as usual, the ego and intuition were in conflict. And so that's how I learned to have trust. And that's what this is all about. I learned to have trust by following my intuition. Not grasping. Not thinking that I was right and others were wrong. But really moving into that beautiful, sweet, gentle space of I don't know what anything is for. And I'd like to be the happy, peaceful, harmonious learner. And it says, now comes a period of settling down. This is the next thing. Now comes a period of settling down. This is a quiet time in which the teacher of God rests a while in reasonable peace. Now he consolidates his learning. Now he begins to see the value of what he's learned. And you begin to apply it and live your life that way. And that's certainly a period that I've gone through as well. So all of this I call the process of illumination on the way to illumination. And as you've heard me talk about, I went through a whole thing for a couple of years where I started with, God, I'm giving 70% of my life to you. Look at that. Look at me, God. Look at me. I was like a little kid talking to my parents. I'm saying, look what I'm giving you. It's like um, the child that gives on Mother's Day or Father's Day a little trophy. World's best mom. Look what I'm giving you. I'm giving you 70% of my life. You're such a good mother, father, God. I'm giving you 70% of my energy, my time, my attention. Of course, I need 30% for me. So I can just do whatever I need to do. I can't like be there all in 100%. No, I can't do that. No, we're, no, there's no. Nobody's asking me to do that. Why would I do that? But I don't. I don't think that's a good idea. But 70%. I'm pretty proud of that. There's the ego being in pride, right? I'm so proud of that. And so, and then my, I couldn't be content with that. It just didn't feel. Ugh, didn't feel right. No, I've got to give more, more of my time, my temp- my attention, my energy, my heart to God, making my whole life the activities of God, but still feeling like, yeah, but I still, I still want to be able to say, look, if I feel like acting like a jerk, I'm going to act like a jerk. I wish to retain the right to act like the jerk that I am sometimes. I'm willing to give... of my life to God and not be a jerk 80% of the time, but the other 20%, if I feel like being a jerk, that's my prerogative. If I'm going to be bad, that's my prerogative. It's nobody's business but my own. And you can't call me out, God, because you already got 80%. Who gives 80% of their life to God? Nobody. Nobody. Be happy with that, God. I mean, I really had these conversations. These are Neil Dotwalk had his conversations with God, which I don't know a whole lot about, but my conversations with God, that's what they were. And then finally, okay, 90%, and then again, 95%, you know, getting closer and closer until finally, literally, like the happiest moment of my life, 
Just take it all. Don't let me hold anything back. Please, please, I do not wish to hold one thing back. Not one little thing. All in. It takes tremendous willingness. And the good news is, you don't have to figure it out. And it's like Patricia and I were speaking about today. Every day, you start again. Every day, you start again. You start again. You start again. And that's the joy, is in the starting again and recommitting. Recommitting. A lot of people who have... Uh, uh, ceremonies where they recommit to their marriage vows is a very joyous, happy time for them. It's like it says in the Bible, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. And I remember hearing that and thinking, I have no idea what that means. And then it came clear in my mind that what I used to think was a burden, being all in, totally willing, more and more willing every day. That felt like a burden. It's We were talking about this today, too, Patricia and myself, about how it can feel really tiring. It's really uh, a burden, it can seem, to be vigilant with our thoughts. Oh, I can't do that. That's exhausting. Like Edwin Gaines talks about, if you'd like to... Step into a life of prosperity, start with this. Just start with 40 days without complaining. And if you find yourself complaining, just go back to day one and start again. No big deal. And when she teaches that in a room, you hear the whole room kind of grasp and groan, gasp and groan. And people are walking out of the room going, I could never do that. You see, they they won't even entertain it. They won't even try one day or one hour. Just, I could never do that. Not complain for 40 days? But people will devote years of struggle and strife trying to attain prosperity. But just being vigilant over their mind for 40 days, I could never do that. Ego, ego, ego. We've got more than 40 days to the end of the year. More than 40 days. Plenty of time to do a divine experiment. Plenty of time to profoundly, miraculously shift your thinking and have a new experience. Some people might give up and say, well, if it hasn't happened to me for me this year so far, it's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean it can't happen. And I am here to support you. So I'd like to ask you to consider, right here, right now, What is a pattern in your mind that 
causes you upset, pain, and suffering? What is the thought? What is the pattern? And would you be willing to put the focus of your attention on clearing that pattern for the rest of the year? Would you be willing? With support from me and support from the community. Would you like to be able to eliminate that pattern of thinking? And I ask this because when I taught myself how to do this, I I didn't have a, a group who I was doing it with. I didn't have a group to support me in this way, in this very particular way. But I had the awareness, the realization that if I could do it, my life would never be the same again. And the life that I desired was on the other side of it. It was on the other side of making this decision and truly giving it the best that I could every day. And I was okay with falling off the wagon, falling down many times a day, knowing that I was at least moving in the right direction. At least moving in the right direction towards my peace, my happiness, my prosperity. So I'm wondering if anyone would like to share and put something into the group that we can all hold with you and that you might be willing uh, also, you don't have to, but we could also talk about it a little bit now because a lot of us, we have much the same patterns and challenges. So star two to anybody who would like to raise their hand on this topic or ask a question related to this topic. Anybody having identified the pattern? Okay, Deborah is bravely raising her hand here. Hey, Deborah. Hey, Jennifer. There you are. Hi. Hi. So, what is what is the? Do you have a sense of what the pattern is? Do you have a sense of how to articulate it? Well, I was aware when you were talking about idolizing things that I used to idolize jobs and idolize people, <clears throat> and um, it it just some things fell into place as far as that went because of the job that I absolutely two of the jobs that I idolized they just left like overnight. <laughs> And for me, it was very much security, and I've been working on some abundance, like uh, receiving abundance, being willing to receive abundance lately, and I I realize how much I um, don't trust 
that I'm my abundance is provided. So okay. I that would be a pattern I'd like to shift. <clears throat> I mean, there there's been moments where I'm very aware that abundance doesn't have to do with the job or a relationship or anything else that it comes from God, prosperity. And then there's other moments where it's like, how did I think that was that way that yesterday? Because today I can't even grasp a little bit of it. So, yeah, yeah. Do you have any sense of what it was that was motivating your idolizing that job? I think it was because it was, it, I felt confident in it, mm-hmm. and and because it provided me a lifestyle mm. or something. Did it make you feel special? Mm. Yeah, I don't, I'm not relating to that. Maybe one of them, but not, not the... Both of them. Okay. Because sometimes that's it for some people is they feel special. It becomes a point of pride and self-worth. Oh, I could definitely had more self-worth at that time, yes. I thought I did. I don't think it was authentic. Exactly. Yeah, that's what specialness is. Yeah. It's not. I definitely had more confidence and self-worth because of both of those jobs until they fall away, you know. Then it, right. it's not uh, authentic, not true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So someone who has a true understanding of their worth, uh, it's going to come from their divinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who could take that away from them? Right. Yeah. It's, it's no, you can't no one take can. it away when you have that inner knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And and someone can't, for instance, um, my parents couldn't take away my self-worth. My sweetheart couldn't take away my self-worth. Because they don't give it to me. But if the relationship is special, I'm so special, or a lot of times specialness is hidden, like you're talking about. Because remember when I asked you at first, did those jobs make you feel special? You said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes sense. And yet, if but you had a sense that you were idolizing those jobs. So, you began with one of the things that you noticed is that you would like to have a real experience of continuous prosperity. Mm-hmm. 
and Salesforce. Let's just throw and, that in there. Yeah, let's, let's add that in too. Why not? And you know what? Prosperity is a sense of well-being and self-worth. Uh, to me, that's the distinction that I make is uh, affluence is about being in the flow. Abundance is having all your needs met and feeling prosperous too. And prosperity is a really, it's a well-being. You feel abundance in the flow and all is well. That to me is true prosperity. So these three words, affluence, abundance, and prosperity, similar, slight distinctions for me in my mind. Um, words are symbolic, and all of it is about the energetic experience of truly embodying our spiritual nature, the spiritual qualities, abundance, prosperity, affluence. So... What I'm hearing you say is you'd like to embody these qualities of self-worth and prosperity. Yes. And feel secure in them. Like it's happening, yes. you, you got that covered. Mm-hmm. You can turn your attention to other things. Right. So, yes, exactly. And, you know, Patricia gave such a beautiful teaching this morning where she was saying... Um, uh, how a lot of spiritual students will say things like, oh, this this is hard. This is really hard work to do. You know, how do I not think about lack and limitation when I don't have enough money for food? How do I not think about lack and limitation when I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills? How do I not think about lack and limitation when my experience is lack and limitation? Well, Anyone who's listening to this class that might be experiencing lack and limitation, you're also experiencing times of abundance, times of prosperity, times of perhaps self-love, self-worth. So what she was talking about was she said, I bet there's nobody listening to this class today that woke up this morning and said, please, God, just don't let me kill anyone today. Please, please, please. I just don't want to kill anyone today. That's not a thought we're thinking because we that pattern is not in our mind anymore. If it ever was there, it's not there anymore. We think that it's really hard to eliminate these patterns of imperfection, thoughts of lack, attack, and limitation, and that's simply because we have such an attachment to it. And we can release the attachment and then we won't have the experience anymore. And it does require focus and attention. And it seems like it's really hard to have that focus and attention. But the extreme situations and challenges are there precisely for that purpose. That's what that section in A Course in Miracles is telling us that if you don't recognize that which is truly valuable, like your nature is prosperity, your nature is love, and for instance, how how is anyone going to have a sense of self-worth and prosperity who gives themselves permission to condemn other people and blame them for their problems? How could I ever have a sense of self-worth knowing the unity of all life 
if I give myself permission to think that other people are bad, wrong, and stupid, how will I have a sense of self-worth? I couldn't. It would only be some kind of false belief, some kind of false ego specialness. I'm better than them. That's an immediate indicator that I don't have true self-worth if I'm thinking I'm better than them. If there's better than and less than, there's no self-worth. There's no self-understanding because we're all one. Better than and less than are illusions. So now for me, it's been very helpful to pay attention to my mind, and this is what the Master Living Workbooks are all designed for. It's been very helpful for me to pay attention to my mind and to really listen for the repetitive patterns. So in your experience, Deb, what are the repetitive thoughts that you have? Do you, can you identify just one or two of them? I'm not good enough. Uh, something's wrong with me. That's just what comes to mind right now. Okay. So recently, have you had any financial challenges where you had uh, additional expenses or something like that, some kind of shift or change? Uh, I have right now a situation. I have a pond and the dam is um, needing repair and like... In one section, it's a third of the way through the dam washed away. and <clears throat> So that's going to be a chunk of change, yes, to get that fixed. Okay. So when you think about that, do you notice, are there any old familiar thoughts? Well, how am I going to pay for this? You know, how much is it going to cost? Um, that was part of the abundance <clears throat> affirmations that I've been using. I recognized with the help of my prayer partners uh, that I was always talking about my cash flows not adequate or, you know, it's not the inflow is not matching the outflow or, you know, instead of just affirming my abundance, I was speaking the lack and the limitation. and <clears throat> So I have not moved forward on that dam project because like of not trusting the abundance, not trusting the flow. And, I, you know, it's not, I probably have money in the bank that I could pay for it, except that feels like security to me. So then <clears throat> if I pay for it, I don't have that. Security, this hamster right. wheel, you know. Okay, yes. All right, this is a great example, Deb. So if the only way that that dam can be fixed for you to pay for it, 
Uh, as far as I know, yes. And is it possible that there are other ways that it could happen? <clears throat> well, I guess anything's possible. I mean, I had a gentleman come out from the USDA and, uh, you know, he talked about how there was a lot of money in the 60s to build ponds and it's all gone now. So, <laughs> I mean, in that sense, you know, I haven't found any other ways, but if I'm in the flow, then it just shows up because as I've been doing this affirmation, may the blessings of bounty be revealed in these fields in the whole of my life. I mean, I've got a private duty job. I've got a new client. Somebody brought me eight pounds of deer meat. You know, <laughs> it's just happening. So I know That's it's it. possible. I know it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Except when it's when it's a big project or when I I I, it's, I get in this frozen pattern <laughs> of not trusting and fear. I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday. <clears throat> it's it immobilizes me. It keeps me from moving forward. Whether it's that or creating more something different with my business, letting go of my part-time job so I have time to create something in my business. It permeates every place in my life. Exactly. And why do you think you designed it that way? Well, to learn how to embody prosperity and self-worth. So everywhere you turn there was an opportunity to do the work that you desired to do. And you can't escape from it because you don't really wish to. You'd like to get her done. Right, yeah. Truly. And and that has been my life experience too. I can run, I can hide, but nope. My work is still there for me, and I do not wish to run. I do not wish to hide anymore. It's not comfortable anymore. Mm -hmm. Time for me to get her done. So Mm -hmm. everything is working for you. I love that you shared this affirmation and the results that it's bringing. So what has that taught you? Well, that that's where I need to put my energy, not in my cash flows, not me, you know, my cash flow's not working or whatever, however I said that before, you know, the inflow's yeah. not matching the outflow. That's yeah, I, I, remember, I remember one, exactly, I remember one time, I think I told this story, uh, one time I could see, it was about the middle of the month, and I could see, looking ahead, based on what was happening, I would not have the money to pay my rent at the first of the month. I would not have the money, and I didn't know how I was going to get the money or where I would get the money. And so I was interested in really practicing these teachings, and so I just said, well, I have no idea how this is going to happen, and I'm excited to see, because I'm willing (laughs) to say it will happen, but I don't know how. And I don't have to know how, but I'm going to place my trust and faith in God. Now, 
Some people do that, but they don't, they say it, but they don't actually put their trust and faith in God. And I've tried it that way too, and that way doesn't work. You have to actually put your trust and faith in God. And what happened that particular time was on the day that I needed that $1,000 to pay my bills, a check arrived in the mail, there was a tithe. This is many years ago. There was a tithe from someone who had never made an offering before, and that check was exactly what I needed, $1,000. And it arrived on the day. But I held my faith. I didn't worry. I said, I don't know where it comes from or how it's coming, but I am assured, knowing in my mind, it's coming. Now, at the same time, it's like Venerable says, we conceptualize, visualize, we energize, and we do what needs doing. Because I, I, I was moving forward doing what needed doing. I didn't just sit back and think that money's going to come. It's like she will tell her version of that story. Perhaps you've heard it and others have heard it of um, there's a flood comes and uh, the houses are covered with water and this man is on top of his roof. Do you know this one? Yes. Mm-hmm. I love this story. Yeah. Yeah, he's on top of his roof and he's saying, God, God, help me, help me, save me from the flood. And somebody comes by in a rowboat and says, hey, come on in, get in the rowboat with me here so you don't drown. And he's saying... No, no, no. I don't. God's, God's got somebody. God's got something for me, and God's going to rescue me. I'm good. You help somebody else. So he goes on his way, and then somebody comes by in a speedboat and says, "Get in, get in before you drown. Get in the boat." And he says, "No, God, God's going to rescue me. You go on your way. You help somebody else." And and then somebody comes along in a helicopter, and by now he's like up to his neck in the water, and the helicopter is saying. Grab a hold of the ladder. We'll pull you up. And he's saying, no, no, no. God's going to rescue me. And in between each of these, he's saying, God, where are you? Where are you, God? And then finally, after the guy passes on the helicopter, God says, what, what's wrong with, you know, what's what's your problem? I sent you a guy in a rowboat and a guy in a motorboat and a guy in a helicopter, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And this goes back to the question uh, a few weeks ago, when Carol was asking about what if the answer prayers isn't happen, that's exactly the same thing. Venerable right. tells was... the guy wants to win the lottery, and at the end, God says, "Well, dude, you have to buy a lottery ticket. You know, do something. You have to do something. You have to put your energy into it." So you, using that affirmation, you're putting your energy into it. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by using talking. that affirmation, go ahead. I was just talking with my friend yesterday, and I was saying, how much more clear does it have to get for me to have trust and faith. And I told her what happened, you know, after I did this affirmation. And it's like, 
how much more, and that was the analogy that I used, that helicopter flood story. I said, how much, how many more, uh, more vehicles you know, have to go by? Yeah, or how many more, you know, how many more pounds of sausage have to come unexpectedly or how many more, right. you know, do I have to get to trust that I'm being provided for? Right. It's like you're holding on to the edge. And I don't know if you've talked about that. It's let go of let go of the edge of the and flow in the river or something. There's a book by yeah. that name. And um it's like I'm still hanging on to fear and not just letting go and trusting the flow. Right. And and, and that I'm ready to let go. Yeah. That's what and I want to so, do. Yeah. And we don't trust the flow, Deb, because we don't feel worthy. So because we don't feel worthy, we don't feel safe in God. And we don't feel worthy because we give ourselves permission to attack, to judge, to condemn, to complain. That's why we don't feel worthy. It's not that we don't feel worthy because we're fat and sick and ugly and all the things that we think we are. It's not because we don't have the skills and the training that we don't feel worthy. It's not because we don't have a spouse or children or whatever thing that we think we need in order to feel worthy because nothing in this world has ever made anyone feel truly worthy. That's where we started this conversation. You thought your jobs made you feel worthy, but when they went away, you didn't feel worthy anymore. So they didn't make you feel worthy. They just Mm -hmm. helped you to disguise your unworthiness. That's what specialness does. And that's why when we give in to and settle for specialness, we exacerbate the situation. And, of course, one of the most uh attractive specialnesses I've ever experienced in my life is I'm so bad, I'm so wrong, I'm so pathetic. That was my specialness. Mm-hmm. I'll never get it, this doesn't work for me, something's wrong with me, that was my specialness. And I had to be willing to give that up and say, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not bad. I am worthy. And to place my trust in God. So, but it's so linked that if I give myself permission to attack, I will not feel worthy. If I do not feel worthy, I will not place my trust in God because I'm going to be thinking, God's going to pull the rug out from under me. God, I can't rely on God. I have to make my own way. You see, and this is how the separation started, and this is how the separation continues in our mind. We think thoughts of condemnation and then we do not feel worthy 
And so we do not feel we can trust. Because why would God take care of us when we attack God's children? Mm-hmm. I mean, would you take care of someone who attacked your children? No, but he doesn't even see that. But but in our mind, it's it's like we we are we whether we recognize it or not, we will not feel worthy if we give ourselves permission to attack. That's why the whole focus of all the practices in Masterful Living are really about giving up the thoughts of lack and attack. Mm-hmm. It took me uh, years and years to really get this, but by doing practice on a daily basis, <clears throat> like I was talking about at the beginning, the building of fire, the daily practice, heating things up again and again, all through, you know, building that fire first thing in the morning and then putting logs on it all day long through my practice, keeping that momentum going, I was proving to myself this is important to me. I mean this. I'm not just doing this to get something. This is how I would like to live. So people who are doing spiritual practice in order to get something, they're not going to feel the power of it, and they're not going to feel that incredible sense of self-worth. So it's it's helpful to identify the patterns of thought in our mind because oftentimes those key thoughts just keep recurring again and again and again. So any final thought, Deb? This is wonderful. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you for your transparency. It helps us all. All right, Rob raising his hand here. He's been extremely patient. So, Rob, I'm unmuting you here, and you're going to share with us. You raised your hand about the repetitive pattern. What's yeah, correct. Repetitive, what's the repetitive um, pattern? The repetitive pattern is, is that I can't get enough solar appointments, you know, I'm getting I'm getting leads, but I'm not getting appointments. And the appointments that I'm getting sometimes they don't they don't you know they don't um, uh, they don't you know they, they don't they don't they don't happen for one reason or another. So okay. Um, so I'm All right. So are you are you willing to work with me for a couple minutes here on this? By all means. Okay. Great. So here's what I I would like to do, Rob, is uh, the universe, God, the law of cause and effect, like attracts like, it's done unto you as you believe, these teachings, this truth, the way the universe works is that when we choose to shine the light of our attention, our awareness into a thought and believe it, then it's going to be made manifest in our life and seem real and true to us. 
So whatever thoughts that we're thinking that we believe, they're going to manifest as more thoughts of the same. They're going to manifest as our emotions, and they're going to manifest as uh, our physical experience and our circumstances and situations. So basically, the law of cause and effect makes the universe that we appear to live in simply a yes machine. It just only knows how to say yes. So, let's, I'll be the universe and you be Rob. Okay. Okay. So, what was that repetitive thought again? Um, I'm not getting enough uh, appointments. Okay. So the universe says, okay, Rob, this is what that looks like. This is what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Next, what would, you, what would you like next? What's your next thought? Um, my next thought is that... Um, um, is uh, you know I have to, you know I have to, I have to work too hard for what I get. So I have to. Okay, Rob. Well, here's how that looks. Here's how that feels. Here's right. this experience that proves that to you. Sure. Yes, yes, Rob. This is what that looks like. What else would you like? What's your next thought? Um, <laughs> my next thought is to is to is to believe that I can that I will get enough appointments and, and that I can have it easily and gracefully. Right. But when you're out there chasing up the leads and you're thinking, I'm I don't have enough appointments. I'm not getting enough appointments. What are your actual next thoughts then? Just keep on going and keep on knocking and find somebody who who can who can help? I mean, who is willing to uh, who's who could use my service? I mean, that's what I did last week. Not uh, like I don't know, two three weeks ago. I was going to work until six, but I decided to stay on an extra an extra an extra half an hour. I missed half an hour class, and then I and then I and then I and then I found somebody who who was who who wanted our who wanted our service. So it's a numbers game. No, so. it's, it's not a numbers game. It's that's a salesman's thought, but it's not a, a, a it's, it's actually not a numbers game. Because do you remember my story about my apartment and how I found my apartment? Uh, I think it was <clears throat> you were looking for a certain price, and then the price went down, and something like that. I was sitting watching a movie, and it came into my mind, go to Craigslist right now and look for your place. And I went, and I looked, and that was the apartment that I'm now living in. And I thought, oh, my God, this is fantastic. It says it's been listed for three months. Why haven't I seen it till now? Well, I hadn't seen it till then because ten minutes before I looked at Craigslist, it was $400 more a month. Okay. So it's that. Where's the numbers game in that? I didn't have to look at 
50 apartments. I didn't have to watch Craigslist every day. I didn't have to do those things. Mm-hmm. You see? So yeah. the ego says it's a numbers game because the ego is trying to put all your energy and focus into laboring until you're exhausted and then you don't feel like a success. Mm-hmm. So it's, to me, if I had the thought, I'm not getting enough appointments. I should stay out later. I should do more. If I don't do more, they're going to fire me. If I if they fire me, then I won't be able to pay my bills. If I can't pay my bills, I'm going to have to move out of my apartment. If I have to move out of my apartment, where am I going to go? I don't know where I'm going to go. Then I'm in real trouble. And, oh, my family's going to think I'm an idiot and a loser. And doesn't that just prove what my neighbor's been saying about me all the time? And, oh, my God, my old boss will just, but you know, down that road and down that road and down that road. And the universe doesn't have a choice. The law of cause and effect does not have a choice. We go down that road. All that the law of cause and effect can do and the whole universe can do is respond and just say, okay, Rob, sure, we can show you that, what that looks like in the world of form. Okay, we can let you know what that feels like. We can help you feel that in the world of form. We can try to make that real for you. We can bring you an apparent circumstance and situation that will make that seem true for you. Sure, whatever you'd like. Special orders don't upset us. <laughs> hold the tickles, hold the letters, special orders, don't upset us. See, this is the whole thing is that we are the masters of the universe and we're using our power to manifest a life we do not want. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because we give ourselves permission to think the most unkind, cruelest thoughts about ourselves and others just because someone takes our parking spot or just because uh, someone looked at us the wrong way or just because we thought, oh, when they did that, it meant they didn't like us. And then suddenly we feel what I would say is like a murderous rage. We're willing to attack someone and then... We don't feel worthy of God's love because we're behaving and feeling and thinking in such unloving ways towards ourselves and others. So unless we're willing to take dominion over our mind and stop thinking the thoughts that we do not wish to see manifest, nothing can really change. And so that's why I encourage everyone to do these divine experiments and to... Really give it your all. And, yeah, you you may find yourself going back into lack and attack every 15 minutes like I used to do, every five minutes, every three minutes. But I just kept saying, no, 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 I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to stay there. No, no, that's not who I am. Those thoughts do not serve my life of love anymore. I'm done with that way of thinking. And I, I really had to do that thousands of times and I still do it every day but not thousands of times it's and like Patricia saying who who in this class wakes up and says I just hope I don't kill somebody today 
We might wake up and think, I hope I don't feel like killing someone today. What I what I found is that is that when I use my my intuition, it a lot of time it works. Like for example, I um, there was a you know I went to one place on the way because my GPS took me on side streets rather than the freeway, so I was knocking so I was knocking on doors and then and then. Um, um and you know this lady where I was leaving, but she had a high electric bill. Lady, literally, her engine was was running. So I'm like, okay, I'm done there. I was I was gonna go to my next place, but I was driving there, and it was, it was literally like two minutes from there, and I was driving by, and I noticed some some homes like like a little bit a little bit south of there, and I um. So I went and knocked on those homes, and actually I got you know. So I ended up the the day I said total of 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 four leads. So I had a so I so I had a good day. Uh, it's just yo, know, I have to need to and will focus on the on you know ease and grace and um and that everything. Will happen, happen, and I'll be divinely guided to the homes that want my service and things like that. And and uh, what I'm doing is I'm I've started doing the um, uh, a bunch of different things. I'm doing the grounding meditation. I'm doing the um, yeah. Come on, bring. Yeah, it has. It's like a prayer that I read three times. I'm, I'm, I have the divine experiment, and I remind myself to do that. I don't. Sometimes, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't. I, for whatever reason, I don't do that, and and I do the others. But but I've I've ramped things up, you know, spiritually, and um, you know, getting better results lead wise. I just. Uh, and I'm going to start working on the appointments now. So. Yeah, beautiful. And the other thing is, is going back to what we were talking about earlier, Rob, is not to idolize the job. Right. Yeah. And not. And not to. To really make, the leads everything in your life, and and to find an affirmation such as. I am receptive to all manner of divine love and support. I am receptive to all manner of divine love and support. I am open and available to receive my good without labeling the good and thinking we know what good is. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing, Rob. Can you repeat that last affirmation? I am open to something. I'm open and receptive to all manner of good. Right. Without uh, without thinking we know what the good is, that the good has to be lead. Okay. Because what if the good was somebody left you a million dollars in their will? Would you still like to do that same job if that were the case? Do you see what I mean? Don't let's not limit 
what the good is, at the same time, you could also say, I, I'm open to all manner of leads. And what if you only got two leads a week, but you closed them both as sale? Okay, yeah. So it's about, if you're focused on, I need this many leads and this many appointments and this many sales, then you're really it's 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 important to be able to say I am willing to receive everything that supports my life of love. Mm-hmm. Leads, appointments, sales, friends, mm-hmm. prayers, kindness. Everything. I, I'm interested in being in the flow. Let me be of service today and let the, the life serve me. Being in that flow of giving and receiving. Because thinking about uh, the numbers game can really be a limitation. But just being mindful of that. Just being mindful of getting attached to the numbers. Well, I agree with what you're saying, but the company has certain certain standards that we need that we need to meet. So, uh, you know. I am excelling all the standards. I am living beyond limitation. I am a living demonstration of true abundance and prosperity. I'm in the flow of love, and my life naturally demonstrates perfection, beauty, wholeness, abundance, prosperity. Okay. Yeah. I will get all notes from the transcript. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this out here, and I thank you for that, Rob. I'm gonna play a song in just a moment, and. What I would like to invite everyone to do is to look at the divine experiment in your workbook again, and uh, there's the whole page of uh, instruction and then the actual places where you can write the divine experiment in there. And I'm inviting you to place your divine experiment details into our Facebook group. And Rob, I know you're not in Facebook, So anybody who's not in Facebook, you can email me, and then the group can energize your experiment, and we're doing it together. We're doing it together. So, And I really encourage, too, that you make your divine experiment around a painful pattern that you see recurring in your life. And maybe it will be something to do with your family, the holidays, maybe not. That's up to you. But I'm just saying that sometimes that's a great way to prove it to yourself. If you have a difficult time over the holidays and you make a divine experiment about it and you don't have a difficult time, that's life-changing. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for your willingness and your attentive listening. So I'm going to invite everyone to place their hand on their heart. 
And let's let's be all in here. Let's be willing, all in to be willing to have a transformation, to make a choice other than repeating the same experiences, the same patterns, the same difficulties. We're grateful and thankful to once again partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self to remember the truth, which is our perfection and our wholeness. I am that I am, and I am one with the I am presence of every being. So grateful to know that this is so. So grateful to open our hearts and minds to the free flow of love and goodness, abundance and prosperity. That our self-worth comes from our true identity and we're willing to remember our true identity and to let our brothers and sisters be our salvation as we recognize their true identity. So grateful. So grateful. In grace and gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So the song I'm going to play is another one of the beautiful songs that uh, I would sing in the Agape Choir. It's one of my favorites. And it's a prayer. It's a practice all by itself. It's a beautiful prayer. And uh, we always sing it a cappella. And it's called Make Me Stronger by Ricky Byers Beckwith and Michael Beckwith. And this is the Agape International Spiritual Center Choir, Make Me Stronger. to reveal 